If you're looking for a podcast that talks about the best way to invest your money in real estate and how to save money on taxes... Oh, wow, boy, have you come to the wrong place. This is Comedy... Tragedy... Marriage. We kept your promise. We have returned. After just a single week. Ta-da! I know. It's almost like we know what we're doing. Trust me, we don't. We really don't. No, we don't. Uh, this is Comedy Tragedy Marriage, episode 16. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com, as well as for WIMZ.com in the blogs section. I am joined, as always, by my better half. Maud the Discombobulated Broad. Oh, okay. All right, that's interesting. Uh, it was my choice of what to watch this week, and I chose something that has some history to me uh, about it. It is the 2006 film Stranger Than Fiction. It stars Will Ferrell, Emma Thompson, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Dustin Hoffman, Queen Latifah, and more. It is a, a, a fantasy, romantic drama, kind of, um, where Will Ferrell plays an IRS agent who hears a disembodied voice uh, narrating his life. And it turns out it's an author writing a book, but she doesn't realize that the person she's writing about is real and can hear her as she types uh, the the prose of her book, and and she informs him through this uh, disembodied voice that he is about to die. Little uh, did he know. Little did he know. That's a very important point. Uh, and in my history with this movie, it's not deep. It's not like it's my favorite movie of all time, or that you know this this speaks to me on some deep level. Uh, Actually, this is the first movie that I reviewed for WIMZ.com in 2006. Aww. Yeah, uh, October of 2006. Uh, now, you can't go to WIMZ.com and find it because that website has been completely redone. It may be archived somewhere, but otherwise, it doesn't, it doesn't exist as far as I know. So you can't go and find it. The text version. Uh, well, the web page at all. You you can't find uh, the the what was posted at wimc.com okay. anymore. You I can gotcha. if you want to suffer through three minutes of my very first uh, video review. You can find <laughs> it. You can find it on YouTube if you just search wimc Stranger Than Fiction. You can find it. May God have mercy on your soul. Oh, go so, there. Coolness, coolness. So, uh, it, um, so this movie kind of means a little something deeper than it's just a piece of entertainment to me. Because uh, this is the first movie I reviewed. And I remember I kind of gave it a positive review. I kind of gave it a split review. If you were going to this Will Ferrell movie expecting a, quote, Will Ferrell movie, unquote. Yeah, you're like, not going to find it. Like an old school or something like that. This is not that movie. No. This is probably the most, up to that point, sedate, controlled, um, non-annoying version <laughs> of a Will Ferrell, uh, 
performance that he had given up to this point. I was thinking restrained. Yes. Um, aside from the parts where he gets emotional or angry and he starts yelling at the sky and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But that fit within the narrative. It wasn't just done for laughs. No, exactly. So, yes, this, uh, uh, this movie, you know, has a soft spot in my heart for that reason. And watching it again... I think I liked it more this time than I liked it last time. I was going to say, did it did it hit you in the feels this time? Well, a little bit, it did, and a little harder in the feels this time. And um, and I think I, I think I liked it maybe a little more than I did when I saw it uh, fourteen years ago. <laughs> I went into this tonight thinking I know nothing from this movie. And the more we watched, the more familiar it became. And I'm starting to think I may have seen it at some point. Watched it, like, without you. <gasps> I know. I know. It's weird. This life I have no no knowledge of that I have, much yes. less the one that you have that exactly. I know nothing about. So, yeah. Uh, so you think maybe you've seen it. Probably th- on TV at some point. I think so. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't remember going to the theater. I certainly... Well, you didn't go gone, with me. You, no, and I don't think that I would have seen it without you, although anything is possible because I am old and senility is creeping in very quickly. Well, no, um, I don't think that's the case. But, uh, but yeah. But there were familiar elements. Um, the The basic premise, as you explained, is Will Ferrell's living his mundane tax man life and all of a sudden one morning he hears his life being narrated in real time as it happens Mm -hmm. by the mellifluous beautiful voice and gorgeous accent of of emma thompson yes she's glorious in this thing yes as i recall when um excuse me i have to (laughs) i have to call Uh, as I recall, when I watched this the first time, or when I reviewed it, um, I said something about her being a, a living embodiment of Twitchy. Uh, she's got all these little quirks and and weird mannerisms and oh, once we characteristics. See, once we see her Once character. we actually meet her, yes. Instead of just hearing her voice. Yes. Yes. Um, agreed. Her character, she plays her character um, beautifully, and she's just just on the ragged edge of unraveling completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suffering from writer's block, she's right. been a very um, prolific and successful author, and at this point, they have assigned her something of a sober companion except for for authors she's called an author's assistant yes that's the character who is played by queen latifah Mm -hmm. and she um she's no nonsense she's no nonsense she's trying to keep her focused on her job and will do whatever is necessary to get her to finish this book and we also see that in her way she cares about this person she cares about her charge yes Emma Thompson, her charge. Um, but, yeah, she's pretty brass tacks. Yes. She she wants, and I'm not sure she's entirely prepared for, excuse me. <laughs> uh, for the train wreck that For the, the train wreck is. that, yes, that, that Emma Thompson is, although she continues to plow through with uh, trying to get her uh, 
motivated and moving in the direction of finishing the book. Uh, we learn over the course of the film that Ms. Eiffel, the author, played by Emma Thompson, has not published anything in a decade. Mm. And um, there's a video clip that we see of an interview with, that we are also told is 10 years old mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a TV screen playing in the background where she's working on a book a decade earlier called Death and Taxes. Well, that's the same book she's working on. Yeah, still. Still. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she's, she's stuck, and she's looking for inspiration anywhere. That includes going to, uh, like, an emergency room and seeing people being wheeled in. Uh, that that uh, imagine, she imagines a car crash where a car she's driving goes off a bridge in a rainstorm. Into a river. While she is actually sitting with the Queen Latifah character looking at a bridge. In a rainstorm. In a rainstorm. While she's sitting in the rain and Latifah's under an, an umbrella because that's the way she wants it. She's one of these I have to suffer for my art people. She's just coming unglued. Yes, she is. She has a uh, what I found to be a particularly disgusting habit of spitting into a Kleenex and extinguishing her cigarette in, in, there. The, in the spit in yes. the Kleenex. That, yeah. That, I could have lived the rest of my life and never seen that. True, but as an actor, bringing a little idiosyncrasy like that to a character True. is a brilliant move, and it makes them... Um, it makes the character more real. Yes. Still, I, I. Well, yeah, it's gross. It's gross. Uh, she 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 has a gross habit of dealing with her gross habit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, it's it, and then you get to Will Ferrell's character, who is as exactly the opposite of Emma Thompson's character. He is so structured. He is buttoned down. He brushes his teeth the exact same way every morning, counting each stroke on each tooth. He counts strokes. He counts his steps that he runs to the bus stop and how long it takes him to get to the bus stop. And he uh, has it timed so that just as he is arriving at the bus stop, the bus stop, the bus has been there for a, a moment. Other people have gotten on. He just gets on in time before the doors close. And and uh, it drives away. As a tax man, his his life is very much dictated by um, counting and numbers and time, and he he inhabits this character very convincingly in that way. Yes, Farrell is surprisingly good for uh, dude can act for for someone who you just. Don't expect to be able to pull off a serious role. And I can't remember the name of the film now, but his wife is divorcing him and puts all his, or they're selling the house, and his wife puts all his stuff on the front lawn, and it sort of turns into this um, post-divorce yard sale. But he's living there. But... He's also selling his stuff, mm-hmm. or he's trying not to sell his stuff. I, it's kind of a, it's a black comedy kind of, but it's um, it, he's really good in that too. And I wish I could remember the name of the film, but um, he's he, he's going through this crisis. He's an alcoholic on top of that, 
Um, and it, oh, look, a smartphone. Oh, yeah, really. And he, The Google knows all. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe Will Ferrell yard sale movie, something like that. Um, but he, he's, he's really good in that. It's heartbreaking as he finally comes to the realization that the life he knew is, is over and he's got to move on. Um, and everything must go. That's it. Um, from 2010. That's, it's also a pretty good movie. And, um, it's, as this movie goes on, he realizes his life, even though, you know, the narrator has said his death is imminent. Um, he's got to live his life. He's got to leave his old life behind and actually live grow a life. Yeah. And that's where sort of Maggie Gyllenhaal's, uh, um, Baker, who is, uh, um, a radical. Anarchist and, Baker chick. Yes. And uh, she's, and I, while I don't really see her and Farrell as a couple, um, that, I like that relationship. It works And I like, and, I, and it works, and I think it works because of her. Because you believe that he wears her down. And, <laughs> you know, um, he, he's just a goof and he can't figure, he doesn't understand how to woo a partner. Doesn't understand how to flirt. He, he, his life is so regimented and so, so focused on numbers that he doesn't understand how to interact with people. Well, and she is an excellent, her character is an excellent foil for him, I think, because she is a bit of a libertine. She's a boheme. She's opened up her own independent bake shop, um, which is populated by various sort of odd types of people. Right. Um, some of whom she feeds without having without them being pay paid. her. Right. Um, and she, the reason he's there is because she has withheld a certain percentage of her annual federal income tax that uh, that percentage that goes to the Department of Defense and to bail out corporations and to to you know stuff that she doesn't agree with she's sticking it to the man she's sticking it to the man and as a result she's being audited that's exactly enter right. enter mr. Um, crick yes enter Harold Crick um, their relationship is charming she is charming anyway yes and um, the there's a scene where she is um feeding him cookies that she has made and um he asks her you know when did you decide you were going to be a baker and she said in college and he says something along along the lines of so you went to, went to cooking, cooking school. school and she said no actually i went to harvard law and she explains how um she was going to make the world better by being a lawyer, but over the course of the semester, she and her study group um, would get together to study and she would bake and feed them. And more and more people started coming to the study group and so she baked more and more and more and was looking for more and better recipes all the time. And at the end of the semester, her study group had 28 people in it, including her, and she had, I don't know how many mead notebooks full of wonderful pastry recipes and a D average. Yes. So at that point, she decided she was going to make the world better with cookies. And really, 
nothing makes the world better than cookies. Makes me think I kind of want to go to work at a bakery, but you know, <laughs> you know, stranger things have happened. So. Sure. Well, we know somebody whose bakery is one of the uh, supposed to be one of the highest rated in the we country. We do. A high school friend of mine. Yes. We'll we'll give. Peggy a plug. Okay. Um, my friend from high school, Peggy Hambright, who is a Renaissance woman, very gifted, um, was a member of a band called the Judy Bats in the 90s. She also opened a bake shop here in Knoxville some years ago called Magpies, and it's been featured on national cooking shows and written up in publications, and um, she sold it to her niece last year, so Magpies is still in good family hands. So um, Yeah, just Google Magpies Knoxville, and, yeah. and you'll find it. And if you're in the area, oh, y'all, I'm telling you, her apple stack cake is the shizniz. <laughs> I am... <laughs> I mean, uh, it's just like my Aunt Martha's was, and my mamma's was, and the first time I tasted it, I cried with beautiful nostalgia tears, and um, yeah, she can hook you up with some delicious sweet treats, so yeah, there we exactly go. exactly right, so give magpies a try. Yeah, Peggy, I'm going to tag you on Facebook, so. And uh, do, do they deliver? Will they know. ship? Oh, I don't know. Well. Things for us to learn. Things for us, all the things. Um, We'll come back and talk more about Stranger Than Fiction and who knows, maybe pies, uh, (laughs) right after this. All right, we continue our discussion of Stranger Than Fiction. This is Comedy Tragedy Marriage. I'm Stan the Movie Man with my lovely, beautiful, talented, uh, sweet, warm, wonderful wife. Oh, honey, what have you done that you are kissing me up so much? Uh, I've just been married are to you, you in for trouble? 33 plus years. Aww. It's the drugs. I'm on a lot of drugs. That's what it is. Yeah, he went to the Prescriptions. The, Prescription the, drugs. The puppy is a chick puppy. I'm a little sick. Him, I'm a little thickly. Him got the epidemic. In case the giant hacking coughs earlier didn't fill you in on that. Uh, but introduce yourself again. I'm Maud the Cookie Broad. Oh, you're the Cookie Broad I was discombobulated in the last segment. Now I'm the Cookie Broad. All right. Um, So, um, the other performances in this film. Dustin Hoffman um, as the literature professor who's trying to help uh, Will Ferrell figure out who's narrating his life. Uh, And what's going to happen to him. And whether it's a comedy or a tragedy. Um you got to suspend disbelief for this, okay? Because um, this is one of those quantum, alternate reality, time-twisty, weird yes. things that I really dig, but it, they make my brain hurt a little. It's, it's, it's like parallel universes are touching and, and their realities are overlapping in each other. Yeah. Um, and, but, but Dustin Hoffman's performance, um, he's sort of this nebbishy... Um, Lit professor. Well, lit professor, but you know, he's he's almost like the father figure, almost. Yeah. To to Will Ferrell. Yeah. He's trying to guide him on this search, um, and using uh, his knowledge of literature to try to determine whether, uh, well, who's writing, who's narrating the story, mm-hmm. and uh, whether it is. Um, uh, going to be a happy ending or a sad ending for for Will Ferrell's uh-huh. character, uh, and I, I, you know, with the Me Too movement, a few things have come out about Mr. Hoffman. 
um, where he has been inappropriate on a set. He's not, you know, uh, Weinstein level nasty, but uh, he he's been a little handsy at times. Uh, but I didn't know that when I watched this movie the first time, and uh, did you I'm view sorry. him differently this time? No, I didn't. The... Not really. No, okay. because his. His accusations haven't quite, you know, destroyed his career, as opposed to, say, a Louis C.K., although he seems to be coming back, or Bill Cosby. whether anybody wants him or not, or a Bill Cosby. Um, um, you know, I can forget about what I've heard about Hoffman watching this movie, because it's just a, it's a fun performance, and it's, um, it's, it's lighthearted, and... Um, you know, he's, he's sort of the, the muse that we're not the muse. He's, he's sort of the, um, the, he's sort of the narr not the narrator, not the omnipotent narrator, something along that line, because he has the knowledge of literature. So he can base, he can give direction to, to Will Ferrell. When Farrell tells him such and such happened, he can say, oh, well, okay, you're in this kind of story. Um, your father figure analogy was good. Um, he He's a little bit of a teacher role, mm -hmm. a little bit of a big brother mm -hmm. kind of situation. Um, there are moments in his performance where um, his character is very tender mm -hmm. with Will Farrell, And um, those moments were very sweet and... Um, you know, Hoffman does vulnerable well, so um, those moments are always nice to see with him. Um, interesting little point. Um, I see a face on the screen, I'm like, ooh, there's that guy, and you're like, yeah, and the other one's there too. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about, <laughs> that guy, and oh yeah, the other one too, is um, the Sonic guys yes, the make an appearance as a team in this film, and it's actually because I was curious, I went back and, and checked the interwebs because the Google knows all, and they actually had been the Sonic guys for a couple of years before this movie happened. Mm -hmm. So um, that was interesting, almost like a, a winky cameo of sorts now. Kinda. It was it was sort of an inside joke. Uh, I, I think those guys are like in the... Uh, Second City or something. Yes, uh, in, in that in that realm of comedy and uh um but uh yeah it was it was a surprise to see them when i saw this movie the first time um and then tom hulse shows up um, i didn't recognize him at all tell tell the people what you said <laughs> okay tom hulse played um uh, the young mozart in the movie amadeus forever ago and um back then he was kind of scrawny and wormy looking, and, and he was also in Animal House. Yeah, he, um, not my type at all. But between then and 2006, when this movie was made and released, he grew up kind of burly and woolly, and turned into like he. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of cute. I would not have recognized him at all. Yeah, I had, uh, I, and only reason I knew it was him is because the first time it was like I know him. But I don't know where I know him. And then the credits. And then the credits up and come like, up. And, oh, oh, yeah, okay. it's Tom Hulse. Yeah. Hashtag. 
what was this character's name in Animal House? Booger? Booger? Or uh, no? Oh shoot! Not carp. <laughs> no, you're thinking of flounder. Flounder. And that was yeah. Stephen first. That was Stephen first. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. Well, oh, that's look. not important. It's not important. You, you well, looked that up. Well, now I'm wanting to know now. Um, and I'm sure people um on their listening on their smartphones are yelling at us. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Even as they even as we speak. But, um, yeah, there's, this has got a really impressive cast. I mean, Kristen Chenoweth does a, a very tiny, tiny role. Uh, she's as the book reviewer. The, well, uh, she's interviewing uh, authors on this show that apparently is, is 10 years old. Yeah, she's, um, <coughs> she is the person um, interviewing Emma Thompson's character mm-hmm. in the 10-year-old clip. Mm-hmm. Um, Pinto. His name was Pinto. Pinto. I like feel, the bean. I feel much better. Or like the pony. Or the pony. Much better now. Um, yeah. So uh, there's there's a lot of little uh, scattered... Um, Winky moments. Yeah. In, in this movie. Especially if you know the, the Sonic guys. That's actually probably the biggest winky moment in the whole film. Um, that was a me point at the screen. Ah! That, mm-hmm. that was my wink. Um, now, the story takes some odd turns. Not only the part where, you know, he, he's hearing uh, a narrator narrate his life, but uh, there's a scene about halfway through or so, I guess, where Dustin Hoffman's character has told Will Ferrell, don't move the plot forward. Uh, let the plot come to you. Deter- so Determine whether you're moving the narrative forward or whether the he says it's plots are either character driven and the character moves it forward or the plot moves itself right he's like spend a day don't do anything and don't go to work don't don't answer get off the couch don't do anything and he does that and then the plot comes knocking uh yes violently (laughs) yes uh, there are also scattered scenes of people who don't seem to have anything to do with the story. Linda Hunt does a very good, albeit brief, turn as a shrink that Will Ferrell goes to see, and he explains to her that he hears this voice in his head, um, and she says, well, that is schizophrenia. schizophrenia. And he's yeah. like, no, 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 you don't understand. And she's like, yes, yes, I do. If you're hearing voices in your head talking to you, that is what schizophrenia is. So, um, but Linda Hunt is like, she has been 112 years old forever. So she doesn't, she doesn't look much aged. No, since, no. Since 2006. She's, she's a little more wrinkled if you watch her on NCIS Los Angeles. But, but basically she looks the same. Pretty but her, much the same. her turn as the shrink is, is a good little. Aha moment. A good little nugget. Uh, but what I was specifically referring to was the kid on the bicycle. Yes. And the woman who uh, the is, is, well, at first we see she's applying for the job. Yeah. Um, you know, those little, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> those little moments that seemingly don't have anything to do with the story become very important. Yes. So keep an eye on those things. Um, if you end up watching the movie, we watched it on, um, Apple movies or iTunes or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, and it was uh, three ninety nine, So it's, it's pretty cheap, 
you could buy it for four ninety nine. So, hmm. uh, but if you're interested, check that out. At least that was the only place I could find it of the four places I went looking for it. I'm sure it's it's on Vudu or uh, wherever you want look get your movies. So, um, I'm as positive about this movie now as I was 14 years ago. And how um, positive is that? Well, when I, I, I was curious, so I suffered through my video oh, review on YouTube. And uh, like I said, I gave it a split review. For your standard Will Ferrell movie, it got what I was using then was guitars. One mm-hmm. guitar. But as a date movie, I gave this four guitars out of five, or four stars out of five. Mm -hmm. So, I enjoyed it a lot, and um, it's it's weird, but not so weird it doesn't make sense. Um, It's unique, and and I liked it. So, four stars out of five for me for Stranger Than Fiction. I I am agreed. I think that four four cookies from me. Four cookies. Four cookies. Yes, four for, cookies. In homage to the baker that is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah, four four cookies from me. It was good. It was enjoyable. It was charming. It had some really good performance moments in it. Um, the story was engaging. I mean, this is just the kind of thing that my fevered little brain likes to twist itself up with. Mm-hmm. So um, I found it very enjoyable. So. Thanks for suggesting it. Well, thank you. So, both of us give it four stars, or cookies, or guitars, or whatever. There's uh, a guitar in the movie, by the way. It's kind of important. Is. Yes, there is. There's a very... Actually, there's two that are it's kind a, of important. It's a pivotal plot place. Yes. Uh, as is a watch. But we shan't say any more. Um, so, uh, g- check out Stranger Than Fiction. It, like I said, is a good date movie, I, I in my opinion. So, you know, uh, iTunes and chill on the couch and with someone you love and watch Stranger Things. That's not what I meant at all. <laughs> it is what I meant. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's move on to what have we watched. As I pick my planner up to turn back and see if I, like, watched anything this past week. Well, we did. Seems like I did. We did. Um, we watched that creepy documentary, Who I, Tell Me Who I Am. Yes, it's on Netflix. It is about identical twin brothers, one of whom had a motorcycle accident when he was 18 and had absolutely no memory of his life prior to the accident. The only person he knew was his twin. So it's uh, Marcus and Alex. And I think their last name is Lewis. And I think Alex was the one who had the uh, accident. Alex um, was the one who crashed his bike. Okay. Marcus was the twin who took on the role of helping his amnesia-ridden brother reconstruct his life because he he had no memory of anything. He only knew who his twin was. Right, and. Um... Uh, Alex was like a newborn baby. He didn't know anything. He had, had to like learn how to walk and stuff again. Right. Um, he was pretty badly hurt, of course. And his helmet came off when he crashed, so he hit his head on the pavement. 
Traumatic brain injury. That put him in a coma. And when he woke up, the only person he had any memory of, and he didn't really have any memory of, of his brother, of Marcus. It wasn't a memory. He just knew as who he was. As, yes, as a knowing, mm-hmm. which twins have miraculous, marvelous, unexplainable bonds. Identical twins, particularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know literal womb mates right so they and they share dna they share dna um so it um one of them talks about when alex wakes up in the hospital from the coma and the only people there are his twin brother and mummy and mummy is beside herself <coughs> bless Excuse you me. mummy is beside herself because her son does not remember her doesn't know who she is um and as you learn as you learn more about mummy uh she's a bit of a narcissist a bit she she makes her son's amnesia kind of about her everything's about her yes uh and um marcus shows alex photographs this is us on vacation and alex goes yep that's us on vacation um, and that's the he's he's beginning he just to takes it. he reconstructs memories from what Marcus tells him and what in the photographs he shows him. Yes, and if he doesn't ask, he it's like a don't ask, don't tell kind of situation. So a lot of information is just what um, what Alex sort of um, conjectures in his mind. And the the boys live in. A shed, essentially, connected to the main house. Their parents are wealthy. They have this rather large house, and this mm-hmm. is An somewhere in, in the English countryside. And But the boys, they don't eat with their parents. They don't have a key to the house. No. Very um, odd. It's a weird arrangement, but not to Alex, because Alex doesn't know any better. Yeah, he doesn't know from normal. And uh, Marcus tells him, you know, if there's something really that troubles... Alex, he says, don't worry about that. Yeah. And they just move on. Now, I'm not going to say what happens, but there is a secret that Marcus has been keeping from Alex that he discovers by accident. He kind of makes a logical leap when he sees a photograph. Mm-hmm. And you'll have to watch it because it is it is troubling it you will the main question you will ask yourself is why how well you'll ask yourself two questions how, how does and this why happen? yeah how could it happen and why did it happen and you're not going to have satisfactory answers to either of those questions but it is a fascinating documentary it really is it's riveting it, it it was and um, as Stan said, troubling. Troubling. Very troubling. This is, you're not going to want to watch this with your young kids. You are not. This is adult. And if you are someone who has, if a you're troubled, easily triggered, let's put it that way. If you have a troubled past with your parents, you, don't watch this. You might not, you might want to skip this. Yeah. Uh, then we needed a palate cleanser. So yeah. we watched Big Mouth. A whole season bunch three. of episodes of Big Mouth. We watched the entire third season. Uh, and uh, I, to be honest, 
I think it's filthier this season than it has been in the previous two. And it's pretty filthy in the first two seasons. Yes, um, disclaimers, again, not something that you want to watch with your young yes. children. Subject matter, language. Um, visuals. Even th- visuals, <laughs> even though it's a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, you know, a life-size walking vagina is not necessarily something that you'd want to explain to your six-year-old. Uh, larger maybe. than life. L- larger than, yes. than life, yes. Uh, and uh, the hormone monsters uh, and the... Uh, Depression Cat uh, makes a return visit. Uh, I think this show is brilliant. And Nick Kroll, who's one of the creators and writers, and John Mulvaney, Mulaney, who is, uh, I think he helps write and also, of course, is one of the voices. I I think it's a brilliant show. It is is filthy. (laughs) And funny. And funny. And, you know. Very relatable. It is, uh, if you remember what entering puberty was like. Oh, Lord. So, uh, and all the confusion. And you hit puberty and it hit you right back. Exactly. Yeah. And, and wondering, you know, why am I feeling like this? And then you start to figure out why and you go, oh, okay. And so, you know, uh, you, it, I, I love Big Mouth. If you haven't seen it, uh, you need to watch it. It. They're like 8 to 10 or 12 episodes. If you're and they're easily, only about 25 minutes long. Yeah. If you're easily offended by yeah. potty humor, just, yeah. just, that'll, that'll be a hard pass for potty you. Potty humor, sexual humor, uh, alternate lifestyles, uh, just pretty much the entire gamut of stuff that you could object uh, to makes uh, people's heads explode. You're, <laughs> you're going to find it uh, in Big Mouth. But it is great. And, and I love it so. Uh, we, we also watched The Irishman. We did. We watched The Irishman. All of this has been on Netflix. Three and a half hours of uh, me not believing that Martin, uh, or that uh, Robert, Robert De, Niro De Niro was 30, 30 years old. But uh, you know what? They talked about a very interesting thing in that they used CGI basically as makeup oh yeah, yeah for the actors it was very cool and you know i mean no de niro's face could not pass for 30 but he could have passed for 40 yeah he could have um plus uh, again it's it's fiction and well fictionish, and you have to suspend disbelief yes uh it's based on a book um I heard you painted houses. Yeah, I heard you painted houses, which is code for you. Uh, you cover the inside, you cover the walls with people's bloods when you kill them. Um, Mob movie, Scorsese directed. Um, De Niro. De Niro, Joe Pesci, Pesci. Al Pacino does a turn as Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, it's it is a long haul. Now, fortunately, because it's on Netflix, you know you can hit a pause, go pee, get a sandwich, <laughs> take a potty break. Um, Uh, but it was it was enjoyable i liked it i'm not crazy about the ending but then i got to thinking about it i did not like the ending however um i enjoyed it again disclaimer language language violence some violence Um, um i don't think we got any nude no, no, there's no no new. But we've got language and violence. Language and violence, so, and again, you know not racial uh, epithets. Well, yeah, and... because a lot of what happens happens as far back as like the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So you've got um, very stylish looking um, 50s and 60s culture, and on you know on up until present day. Some gorgeous land yachts. Uh, 
uh, oh my gosh, the cars. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but that yes, they used uh, they used CGI to to de-age all of the you know the three main characters. Um, and that was pretty cool. It and it looked relatively good. There's occasionally uh, sometimes the face looks wrong for just an instant. Well, aged forward Joe Pesci looks way worse to me than age reversed Joe Pesci did. Uh, Where they younged him down mm -hmm. looked much better than when they olded him up. When he's in the present? Yeah. Yeah. Old, 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 old old Pesci. Okay. Yeah. uh, Well, to be honest, that uh, 25 or so minute uh, conversation they filmed about the movie, about making the movie, that airs after uh, uh, The Irishman, that wig on Pesci wasn't fooling <laughs> anybody. That is That was terrible. He's, Girl, please, we all know that hair is fake. It's like, you know, Elvis, uh, an Elvis impersonator, if Elvis had lived. Um, you know, it, it was a pompadour. It just looked, nobody's buying it, Joe. Just be bald. You were bald in the movie. Just be bald in life. Feel better. A little bit. Do you? Okay, yeah. I'm glad. Did we watch anything else? Um, let me check my handy-dandy book where all of my life lives. I don't think you and I watched anything else. I don't think so. You read any good books lately? No. No? No, I I started a couple of things and didn't get very far. I my my brain is not focusing too much right now on things. So, um so no. All right. I need to be reading the books. Books reading good books makes us smart. Reading bad books is, you know, not recommended, but mm. it's better than nothing, I guess. All right. Um let's see. Um Oh, if if you're interested, uh, of course, the Golden Globes, as we're recording this, was just a couple of nights ago. And uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino's movie, won a couple of awards. I think he got uh, Tarantino one for script. And uh, actually, I'm positive about this. And Brad Pitt won for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, if you listen to podcasts, Mark Marin's podcast, WTF. Uh, has DiCaprio and Pitt for an hour discussing their careers and, you know, what they're doing next. And and they are surprisingly, especially Pitt, uh, sort of normal sounding. It's hard to believe. Of course, I guess you've got that much money you can, you know, pretend to sound normal. Well, you're an actor. You can pretend because it's acting. Yeah, but, you know, uh, they... You know, DiCaprio, uh, um, <laughs> Ricky Gervais in, in the Golden Globe said the award show had been so long, DiCaprio's date had aged out of where he liked them. Uh, oh, snap. Because he dates younger women. I, uh, I get the reference. But, you know, they they do charity work and they, you know, they're involved in environmental issues and things like that. So, you know, um, you can beat them up for being rich and famous actors, but I, I think there's a little more there than a lot of people might expect. So, check out the uh, episode of WTF with Mark Marin and um, uh, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. 
it's it was an interesting conversation good anything else um oh shoot i thought there was i was i was sick um, you've been sick that's not shit. entertaining no not in the least i've not been entertained by it anyway um do you watch anything on Hulu or uh, on YouTube or? No. Um, um, we need to hit Mrs. Maisel. Yes, we need to do the third season of Mrs. Maisel. I'm not sure if This Is Us has come back from hiatus yet. Because um, I'm kind of jonesing. <laughs> well, it's Tuesday. Doesn't it normally come on Tuesdays? Normally, but after hiatus, who knows when things are going to be. Yeah, the next one is next week. Okay. Well, she'll give you an update on uh, This Is Us. In two weeks. In two weeks. Um, so, I guess that's it. I guess we're done. We've, we've stumbled to the end of yet another episode. It's 2020. Yes, it is. Hard to believe. Yeah. It is. It is very hard to believe because it seemed like 2019 both took forever and was gone in an instant. Yeah, and it, it full disclosure here, for me personally, it kind of sucked some pond water. So I'm hoping that 2020 will be um, a year of clarity and good health and full-time satisfying employment. That's all. That's what we all want. <laughs> really i'm still hunting for a job so well yeah there we go that's not entertaining either no but uh feel free to get in touch with us if uh, you have a job in the knoxville area that my lovely wife might be interested in uh you can contact us uh, at stand the movie man one two three at gmail.com you can check out my uh weekly movie reviews at stand the movie as well as wimz.com in the blog section, I do a monthly review for those folks because they don't want to pay me the overtime for four reviews a month. Real. Um, it's all right. I feel fairly certain nobody at my current employment listens to this, with the possible exception of Sarah. Um, and hashtag work girlfriend. Hashtag work girlfriend. Uh, and uh, follow me on Twitter at MovieManStan, hashtag FameWhore. All right. Well, I guess that will do it for this 16th episode of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We appreciate you listening. Go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or any of the uh, other places uh, where you can get podcasts that let you give reviews and stars or thumbs up or whatever it is. And give us one of those five-star or thumbs-up and a review, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, it helps um, us to uh, know that we're doing the right things or, you know, tell us we're doing the wrong things and we'll try to fix it. Or we may just say, forget that guy. What does he know? So, um, <laughs> you like that? Please don't take me to human resources. If I upset you, tell me to my face. I will not know how to do any better unless you tell me. Okay, yeah, so, that's yes. exactly. So, uh, that's it for Comedy Tragedy, Tragedy Marriage this week. Until next time, later! later. Yay!